Welcome to the Ashley and Jessica cast. I started this podcast because of my love for Jessica and Ashley Simpson, but due to the support of my amazing listeners, I have been able to expand to other topics as well to feed my pop culture obsession and yours. Join me as we time travel through some of the most interesting figures in music, movies, TV, and beyond. I'm your host, Leah Russo. Hello, my lovely, lovely listeners. Welcome back to the Ashley and Jessica cast. I am so happy to be here talking to you guys. I am sitting on my couch covered in blankets because I am just not in a place right now to um, not be on the couch. <laughs> I I have emotionally been going through it. That's why I haven't released an episode. I definitely didn't release one this week. Did I release one last week? No. I think I really needed a break. My patrons know about this, but I haven't really talked about it on the main feed and people who follow my personal Instagram and stuff know. My aunt passed away about a month and a half ago and I have really been emotionally going through it for a million reasons. I mean, obvious, it's complicated, but obviously I think just the basic feeling of someone I love passed away and I've been dealing with that everybody can relate to I'm not going to get into all of the details but it's been really especially hard the past like two or three weeks because we went um down to North Carolina for her funeral which was actually at a, at her daughter my cousin's house and it was not a you know funeral home stuffy kind of sad uh you know it, it, I mean it was sad obviously but it was it was a nice tribute to her and it was perfect and my cousins did such a good job on it and I'm gonna start crying but I've really needed some time because I I put everything into this podcast you guys I mean a lot of you have been kind enough to tell me that you notice how much work I put into it and People are always saying things to me like I can't even imagine how much time and research goes into it. So I'm so happy that you guys notice that because everybody wants to feel seen and appreciated and feel like they're being given credit. And so I can't tell you what all of your kind comments mean to me about all the episodes, whatever, you know, even if you've, you're listening for the first time. Thank you so much for listening. I just put so much into it and I can't half-ass anything. Like I can't put out an episode that I'm like, oh, that episode's not the best, but let me just throw something out there. I can't do that. I, I'm one of those people that I'm very all or nothing. I'm not saying that every episode is like a perfect 10, but I'm just saying like I have to feel good about it. And I just, I've been working on the next episode, which is going to be the next installment in my Lindsay series. And I'm so excited about that because today is the freaking day that Lindsay is officially back. Today is the release date of Falling for Christmas. And I am so happy for her. I'm going to get into that in a second. But I've been working on that. I've just been working on that a lot slower than I normally do. And I've just really been going through it emotionally. Like I've really been facing a lot of shit. I think when someone passes away, your perspective just totally changes and you just can't deal with like negative petty BS anymore or at all. You're just, I can't, like, you know, it's just you really 
it pushes so many things into perspective and you realize what your priorities are and you just want to be around your family. I mean, I'm so close with my mom. You know, that was my mom's sister that passed away, my aunt, and we've gotten even closer. She has been over here all the time. We're constantly having sleepovers. We're constantly doing things together. I mean, I've always been a girl that's been about my family and friends and spending quality time and keeping in touch and all that kind of stuff. But even more so, I felt like the heaviness of look, life is fleeting and you never know. So make sure you put in that time with people. And uh, I'm actually, speaking of putting in time with people, I haven't seen one of my best friends, Jess, in over a year because she's been doing a nomad life thing. She's been living in a different country every month and like documenting it online. And so we've been best friends now for almost 11 years. Actually, next month will be our 11-year anniversary (laughs) of friendship. And so um, I'm going to visit her. And the last thing I want to do is go on another trip. I'm so tired of traveling. I know that's a very, very privileged thing to say. But I love traveling so much. It's one of those things that fuels my existence. But I am just so emotionally exhausted and like spent and... I just want to do nothing, but I'm so grateful that I get to go visit my friend this weekend because she means the world to me. She's like the one of the only people that I would do anything for right now. Like I literally, I'm telling you, I am going to hibernate for the next like <laughs> six months or something. Like I'm so done. I'm just very spent. So I'm really excited though. We've been planning this trip since way before my aunt passed away. My aunt passed away rather suddenly. So um, everything that you know, we all had planned in life was just completely over. Not over, but just, just, it's like when someone passes away, you just don't care about anything else. You know what I mean? You're just like, nothing else, Matt, you know, you just, it's really, really difficult. Obviously, I'm sure most people listening know that feeling. We've had this trip planned forever and we both love Christmas. So we decided, especially when we found out that Falling for Christmas was coming out a few days before our trip together, We were like, we have to have a Christmas party. We have to celebrate Lindsay Lohan. I mean, we're celebrating Lindsay Lohan more than we're celebrating Jesus's birth. Let's be honest. And (laughs) we both love Lindsay. I think The Parent Trap is Jess's favorite movie. It's definitely one of my all-time favorites. And we just adore Lindsay like we always have. And we love Christmas too. So it's just the perfect thing. So we decided to celebrate Christmas this weekend. Like we're going to exchange gifts. We're going to make Christmas cookies. We're going to watch the movie. We're going to wear our Christmas sweaters. We're going to go all out and have a big party because that is what Lindsay Lohan deserves. And that's what we deserve too. So I'm very excited for like a cozy fall slash winter just getaway. And, you know, we don't have anything big planned. We're not going to any, I mean, every time I travel, it's usually for concerts. You know, we don't have anything big planned. We're not going out to a big event or anything like that. We're literally just, we plan to just watch Lindsay (laughs) and just catch up and be together. And I'm so excited about that. So I hope everybody is enjoying this Lindsay Lohanaissance. I mean, it's literally so exciting. It just reminds me of how much I love pop culture and how nice it feels to be invested in somebody that way. You know, I think a lot of people think pop culture is kind of a silly thing to be so interested in. And I've had people talk down to me my whole life for being interested in it. And I just think that's so silly because, you know, being such a big fan of Lindsay and seeing her succeed in the way that she is right now is so, uh, it's such a nice feeling in my heart. Like, I'm just so happy for her. Her movie is actually doing well. A lot of the reviews came out today with the film and the reviews are pretty good. Like she's, you know, I mean, I'm not expecting anything more than just a cheesy 
you know, Hallmark style Christmas movie. Like I'm not expecting anything groundbreaking here. I'm just happy Lindsay's showing up on time and she's healthy and she's sober and she seems so happy with her new husband. And I mean, she has been serving looks on this press store, honey. Have you seen, did you see the color block she served on Good Morning America? Did you see that kind of like Greek goddess dress that she wore that was almost, it was like a, almost like a toga, but, but more stylish than that. I mean, her hair is the perfect shade of red. Her skin looks radiant. I don't know what she had done because right now I am doing, the next episode is going to be on the 2012-2013 era of her life. And, uh, you know, she looks, um, I think I think she really, at that time, because of her hard partying, it really was affecting her looks. And I don't even mean, I'm not trying to be catty and say she looked bad. She still looked gorgeous, but it's just, we were you know, used to her looking a certain way and her looks changed so quickly because of the drug and alcohol use. But now it's as if she erased all that. I mean, it's like she literally turned back time. I saw someone on YouTube talking about how they think she got a facelift, which I guess is possible, but she doesn't look like a plastic surgery face. She just, she looks exactly the same as she did when she was younger, just a little older, you know, like she looks like if you were to watch The Parent Trap, she looks like what that little girl should look like. At her, at the age, how old, how old is Lindsay now? 36? I mean, it's just amazing. Like, she looks so, she's glowing. She's radiant. Um, I'm so excited to watch the movie. I wish I could turn it on right now, but I want to save it to watch with Jess. So at our Christmas party, we will watch it. And I'm so excited. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's just fabulous. Like, it's such perfect timing for me to be doing this series because... I'm going through her whole life and now I just feel so invested and I can't wait for you guys to hear the next episode. I have been working very hard on it. I've just been working a little slower. So that's going to come out next week and I thank you guys for your patience. One other thing that I wanted to address really quickly, which when I say quickly, I might end up rambling on about this because (laughs) I cannot stop thinking about the book I just finished, which is Matthew Perry's memoir titled friends, lovers, and the big terrible thing. Oh my goodness. You have to read this book. Please read it. I am astounded by this book. I think it's one of my favorite celebrity memoirs ever and I have read a ton of them. It's definitely my favorite book that I've read this year. I am just flabbergasted. Like I I don't even know how to describe how great it is. I feel as though when I stopped reading it, and I think these are the best books, are the ones that when you stop reading it, you feel so fulfilled. But at the same time, you feel so sad because I feel as though Matthew Perry was sitting with me, telling me his story, and that we bonded and became best friends. And now it's over and he's out of my life and I'll never see him again. (laughs) I've never met Matthew Perry in person, but Friends means a lot to me. It is my all-time favorite comedy. I have leaned on that show so much in my life. I think for us 90s kids, it was just ubiquitous, right? Like you just grew up with it around. But I remember toward the end of the run, I that was when I started watching it like actually live every single week. Other Rather than like, you know, I never watched it religiously as a, as a kid. Like my mom would have it on and I would like laugh at a few jokes here and there. But once it started, it got to be like the ninth and 10th season. That's when I watched it live and I just became so obsessed and I begged my parents to buy me the DVD box sets and I still have them. I just, from then on, I have watched it on a consistent loop 
since like for almost 20 years I have just watched it I can't tell you how much that show is like my therapy show like I have turned it on so many times and I will probably do this later today because I've as I said I've been going through it I've been crying my eyes out and one of the things that I will do rather than call an actual friend of mine or whatever I'm not that type of person that like calls somebody and says I need to talk. I'm the kind of person I like watch movies and TV or I listen to music and that's how I process my emotions. So I've literally turned on friends at times when I was crying my eyes out and I'm laughing through the tears because even though I've watched it on a consistent loop for 20 years, I still find all the jokes like not all the jokes. Of course, there's, you know, low points and bad episodes and stupid jokes and things like that, just like any other show. But I have relied on that show for comfort and therapy so much in my life and literally laugh through tears when I'm going through things. I feel like one of the biggest contributions you can make as an actor is to just make people laugh and feel good and feel happy. And now to know everything that Matthew was going through during that time and before and after that time as well, it's literally mind-blowing that he was able to consistently provide such a fantastic performance as Chandler and I think Chandler is most people's favorite like Chandler and Phoebe have always been my favorites on the show and as an actor and performer I am just aghast that there was never a time where he really fell off or you know like there's no I think with a lot of shows there it's like common knowledge everyone will say oh you know on that show the last two seasons are the worst or on that show this person was the weak link or you know it, it, there was never a time when people are like oh Chandler sucked in season five or so like that never happened because it, it wasn't true he managed going through so much to consistently provide that great of a performance and of course you'll have people that look at things very black and white that'll say yeah if I was getting paid that money I would freaking show up and do a great job too I don't think of it like that at all you guys know from my Lindsay series how empathetic I am toward addicts I have a lot of people in my family that have addiction it does run in my family with alcohol and drugs especially alcohol but drugs too and you know, I have family members of mine that are still using and then I have family members of mine that are recovered and sometimes relapse. And then I have other people that are just recovered and don't seem to relapse. And I have a lot of experience with addicts around me. So I have seen a lot of shit. And Matthew's story, I think, is one of the worst I have ever heard. Like, I think he is the picture of addiction. Like, he is the, like, if you looked up addict in the dictionary, there'd be a picture of him. And I say that with love. I... I am so shocked by what he went through. I think he went as far as you can go down the rabbit hole of addiction and still come back and not be dead. And I think it's remarkable that he's still alive. And he gets very spiritual in the book and he talks a lot about God, but not in like a biblical way. And that was very relatable to me as well because I believe in God very strongly, but in a spiritual way. Like I don't read the Bible. I don't go to church. I don't follow any specific religion, but I do believe in God as like this entity I mean I'm not going to get into like the details of like something like that complicated of like what how I see God but his vision and, and view of God based on his experiences is very similar to how I feel about God and he says that he he always questions why is he still alive because he was so close to death so many times um, his heart stopped for five entire minutes he did not flatline but his heart stopped for five entire minutes at one point he was taking 55 Vicodin a day 
he was given a 2% chance of survival one of the times that he went to the hospital. His colon exploded. His family was called to the hospital and told to say goodbye because he literally had a 2% chance of survival. He obviously did survive and he was in a um, he was in a coma for two weeks and then he was on a colostomy bag for nine months after that and if he ever does opiates again they say he will permanently be on a colostomy bag all of his teeth fell out I mean even just um, his issues with having to quit smoking because he's one of those addicts like he has to do something all the time like he can't just have no addiction right so it's like he quit alcohol and he quit opiates and he quit all types of drugs and stuff and then he was like, I have to smoke. And he would smoke like 50 cigarettes a day and, you know, um, then had to quit because they were like, you're literally not going to be able to breathe anymore if you don't stop smoking at this point. Like, and he also relies on food now as like an addiction. And I mean, I hope to God he doesn't have to, you know, have a really strict diet or something like that at some point. Like his health has suffered so much. And I'm just amazed by his honesty because I think that, he really writes about the horrors of addiction in one of the most honest ways that I've ever read. And you just will not be able to look at Chandler the same. You just will not. And I've always admired him as an actor too outside of Chandler. Like I think he's done some really, really great roles. There's this movie called Numb, which is an indie film that he did. And I've always adored that movie. It's He plays a really depressed guy who falls in love. That's like a basic version of the premise. And I always thought he was astounding in that, you know, he's been nominated for Emmys for drama more than comedy, which is interesting. Like he was only nominated um, for Chandler once, but he was nominated. What was that? The Ron Clark story, I think. That was a phenomenal performance. Like he really is extremely talented and I'm just in awe of him. Like I can't, I mean, I I don't know that I would ever share the things that he has shared, but just how personal it is, how raw it is. I mean, it's just like... I can't get over this book, you guys. I just have to give it a rave review. And I really hope that you all will read it. I listened to the audiobook and I just felt like he was sitting there with me. And you know what? That's how I feel when I listen to Jessica's book. The first time I read Jessica's book, I just read the actual book. And then once I listened to the audiobook, it was just, it really felt like Jessica was sitting there holding my hand and like helping me through a hard time. And I feel that way about the Matthew Perry book. And I will always like, I don't, again, I don't know him, but I will always like hold him close to my heart after that book. Like, isn't there just sometimes people tell you certain things and you just, you're like, I will love you forever because you told me that. You know what I mean? Have you ever had people like that? And I don't even mean someone in your life that is like an obvious person that you love, like your sister or something. I just mean someone who comes, like, like once I met somebody at a party, I met this girl at a party and we like spilled our guts to each other and talked and we didn't end up being best friends after that. Like you would think might happen after that, but like, I will always love her because she told me such personal things and we didn't even like know each other, but we just bonded that night and we're friends on Facebook, but like we're not, I think she lives in Ohio. Like we're not, I don't know her, but like because of that one night, I will always love her, you know? And that's how I feel about Matthew Perry right now. And uh, I've started another friend's rewatch since finishing the book. And I just, I watch him in such awe now because it's just amazing. Like I'm so in love with this book and I'm also super pleased with how honest he is about fame and money as well. Like he's very blunt about it and he talks about it in a way that isn't precious. And I think so many celebrities try to undermine their fame or undermine how much money they have because they want to seem relatable to the public so they won't talk about those things. 
It's like we know that you are unimaginably rich. So just be honest about that. And he is. He's honest about numbers and figures. And he's honest about fame and what that does. And it's crazy because I'm an actor. And I would kill to be on a show like Friends. But I wouldn't want the fame that comes along with Friends. Like I saw some girl on Twitter dunking on his book. I've actually seen a few people like talk about this book as if it's just like another old white guy trying to tell this stupid story. And it's nothing like that, guys. It's so different from that attitude. But I guess some people are just like, some people are just so against this type of memoir. Like people are just tired of hearing about the struggles of white men, I guess. And I'm like, this really doesn't have anything to do with that, but whatever. So I I saw this person and it had all these likes and retweets. And she was saying, I'm only a quarter of the way into Matthew Perry's book and he's already compared himself to the Beatles three times and all he all he wants to talk about is how Jennifer Aniston wouldn't sleep with him. And I was like, how sad that that is what you're taking away from this magnificent book. First of all, he never says Jennifer Aniston wouldn't sleep with him. He doesn't say it that way. He asked her on a date a couple years before Friends and she said no, but that she wanted to be friends with him. And he doesn't say anything negative about her. He actually just makes jokes like about how, you know, he was just like in love with her the whole time, basically. And I'm like, okay, that's not a scandalous thing. Like most of America was in love with Jennifer Aniston. So of course the guy that's sitting across from her in all these scenes probably would be as well. I mean, he talks about her with such a lovely fondness. It's not a sexual thing. Like he doesn't talk about her that way. He talks about her like a a dear friend that he loves and adores and at one point was attracted to. Like, What's the big deal? And then the whole comparing himself to the Beatles thing, he doesn't compare himself to the Beatles. He he compares that level of fame from Friends with Beatle level fame. And guess what? He's right. The Friends cast are the Beatles of television. You know what I mean? When you think of like the biggest shows that have ever existed, like what do you think of? I Love Lucy, Cheers, MASH, Seinfeld, Friends. It's one of the most watched shows of all time. It is the top, top tier of television. And the Beatles are the top, top tier of music. So it is a comparable thing. He's not saying me, Matthew Perry, as a single like actor. He's saying the Friends phenomenon is comparable to like the Beatles phenomenon. And he is true. Especially when you think about the impact of that show over time and how it's still just as relevant as it always was. Like, I think I watched his Diane Sawyer interview, which I also very much recommend if you're like not sold on the book yet. Just watch the interview. It's like a 42 minute um, interview without commercials. You could watch it on the ABC app and that summarizes the book kind of well. Still read the book though, like please. She said like, I think it was like something like 96 billion minutes of Friends was watched in 2020 alone. Like what? Just in 2020, too. And that's only on streaming. That doesn't count for people that are watching their DVDs, people that are watching it on television and reruns, people that are uh, illegally streaming it. Like, can you freaking imagine how many eyes recognize his face when he walks out the door? And now he's being so honest that he's telling this story and everybody's going to know. Like, it's just fame is such a fascinating, scary, wonderful, yet horrific thing. Like, it's such a double-edged sword and I think as an actor I've thought about this my whole life like what would happen if I became famous every actor thinks about it and it's like part of me of course would want to be some big movie star or tv star I think most people like 
would want that type of success in their field right but then at the same time it's like I don't want all my privacy taken away if I'm going through something rough like I don't want all eyes to be on me every time I walk into a coffee shop like I love just being anonymous too and he writes a lot about fame and you know he writes about similar things that Jim Carrey has said about how you can't know that fame and money don't solve everything unless you've become famous and rich and people who aren't famous and rich will never understand how much it does not solve anything <laughs> to be. I mean, I mean, it does solve some things, of course. You know, you don't have to worry about, oh, do I have to, am I going to be able to pay my rent next month, you know? And that is a huge stress on people that, yes, you don't have to deal with when you're rich and famous. But the things that you trade are really big things. It's like you're trading a piece of your soul, you know? I mean, I think we all can understand the price of fame and that brings me to another thing I just want to quickly address before I get into the questions which is Aaron Carter Ugh, especially me being in an overly emotional state I'm gonna start crying god it's I've never been a huge fan of Aaron Carter but it's not about being a fan it's about just seeing this human being like he's someone who's been you know he's not I, I've never been a big fan of him but I love him as like one of the early 2000s icons right and he just never had a chance and if you don't know what I'm talking about please just google and read about his life and his upbringing and his parents especially and Lou Pearlman I mean this guy was a victim big time and it breaks my heart that he didn't make it it kills me that he was not able to silence those demons and make it past the age of 34 it's horrible my heart broke and the crazy thing was is I was in the middle of a really busy work day on the day that he died I believe it was Saturday or Sunday and I got back in the car after doing a performance and I just checked my phone and my friend Jess the one I'm going to visit she just texted me and wrote Aaron Carter with like question mark exclamation mark and then a broken heart and I knew immediately that he had passed away because even though I don't follow him that closely or anything. I think people that are up with pop culture, especially like our kind of podcast community of early 2000s stars and stuff, I think we all knew that he struggled so much. And so when she just said Aaron Carter, I just knew that he he either had died or probably was like in critical condition or something like that. It was so heartbreaking to see that. And when I say he never had a chance, I don't make it, I don't want to make it sound like if you have a bad upbringing or you have a tough life that you cannot make it through. But I just, I say that because I want people to have empathy for him and I want people to understand that from a very young age, this boy was groomed and he didn't have a choice but to be famous. He didn't have a choice but to perform and sing and act and whatever else and his family life was so tough and when you add Lou Pearlman into the mix who's basically like just a demon walking around in human form I mean it's truly one of the saddest stories that I think has ever been told is is the story of Aaron Carter and it kills me and I just beg you guys to have empathy and I was thinking about this a lot with Lindsay like Right now, everyone's praising Lindsay, right? Because she looks so gorgeous and she looks like she's glowing and she's so happy and she's newly married and she has these new movies coming out and she seems to be doing so great. I just hope and pray. First of all, I hope she will never relapse, but I'm realistic because I know how I've had a lot of addicts in my life. 
if she does relapse, I really hope people are showing her the same love that they're showing her now that she's, you know, on the red carpet wearing designer dresses again. Because I feel like sometimes fans can be very fickle. And I hope that if she does relapse, people will not be disappointed in her and people will not express negativity. I hope people will be like, Lindsay, we love you and you can get through this and you can do it and you can get sober again. I really do. And some people might say, well, why are you even bringing that up? Like, don't even put that into the universe. It's like, it's a very realistic thing. It could happen. And I, I, I'm i here for you, Lindsay. Like, if you, you know, if you come across another rough time, like, I'll always be a fan. That's what I, you know feel I just don't want the world to turn on her again because Lindsay so easily could have been like an Aaron Carter type of situation where she didn't make it I mean especially with all the DUIs and the driving and you know crashing into a tree and abandoning her car and I mean that I covered that all on earlier episodes of my Lindsay series so you can go back in the podcast feed to catch up with those but I just, um, I'm so happy for her, but I'm so heartbroken for Aaron. And I just, every time I think about it, I want to cry. Like, I just think of that little boy. Like, children need to be protected. Children really should be protected. And he's another victim of this industry. And it just makes me question so many things because I auditioned a lot as a kid too. And I used to want to be a child star and now I'm like thank god I was not a child star like I don't even it's crazy how at the time I was like I want to you know be on tv and do this and that my mom would take me to these auditions and some of them were not so great some of them were a little shady of course my mom didn't know you know and my mom wasn't a stage mom or anything at all it was me trust me it was me begging to be involved with any performing arts thing that I could and my dad was very against it he was always like no you know you wait till you're 18 wait till you're 18 so I really only did like small like local things and community theater and stuff at school and until I got older but um I'm so grateful that my dad protected me that way and my mom did too my mom like I remember I was offered a modeling job but they were like you have to drop her off here alone and like you can't be on the set and my mom was like "Mm, yeah right (laughs) like why wouldn't you be able to be right next to your child that's very shady so you know I lost the gig because my mom was like fuck that and I'm so happy that I had parents that protected me and loved me and I wish Aaron had had the same and it's heartbreaking I mean did you guys see the video of Nick Carter I mean who's you know not my favorite person but have you seen the video of the Backstreet Boys on stage and they stopped the show to acknowledge Aaron and what happened and Nick is sobbing on the stage I mean oh it's it my heart is literally like I feel pain in my heart right now as I'm saying I can't I can't imagine it and some people were saying they should have canceled the show Nick shouldn't be performing but I know for me work is definitely therapeutic and I think that's true for a lot of people and I think it was actually a really great thing that Nick didn't you know I I doubt that he wanted to disappoint his fans and you know you have all of the Backstreet Boys there ready to go on and I'm sure they would have canceled if if that was what Nick needed but I think it's it's really admirable actually that he went and I don't think I've ever used that word to describe Nick Carter but I think that it's actually really amazing that he did go on stage I think that's awesome so um I just sending so much love to that family and just all of Aaron's fans I know that there are a lot of people that still followed him really closely and were always on his live streams and stuff and my heart goes out to you because it's just it's so hard to to that just his life was so hard and I just addiction claims so many people you know people die every day of this and I just want anyone out there to know if you're struggling with addiction 
you're not alone. Please get help. Please read this Matthew Perry book. I mean, this book is probably going to help. This this book is going to save people's lives. Like Matthew was talking a lot about how his whole life mission now is to help other people. And he thinks the only reason why he's still alive, maybe not the only reason, but the main reason, you know, so many people have died of the same thing that he survived. And he says it's because he's here to help people. And, you know, because he was on Friends, people will listen to him. And that's true. And what a funny thing, like just because you're on a TV show, it's like people pay attention to what you say. And and it's a great thing too. Like what's the point of being famous? Like just to get money and get private jets and get the best table at a restaurant? Who fucking cares? Like the main, like the the real purpose of it should be to like spread goodness and help others and use your platform for good. And I just, I'm so proud of him and I'm so happy about the book. So please, please read this book and uh, let me know your thoughts on it. If you have read it already or if you read it because of this podcast, please let me know. I've been talking about it with everyone who's read it. I've just been, I'm going to be buying a few copies um, every year for Christmas, which this is actually one of the questions is about Christmas shopping, which I think is such a great question. Thank you, Derek, for asking (laughs) like a completely random out of field question, which was what's your strategy for Christmas shopping? But one thing that I do um, frequently is I buy when I really love a book, I just buy a few copies of it. I usually try to do it at like my local bookstore so the local bookstores can get some money, you know, and not Amazon. Um, I just buy like three copies of it and I just give them to people, especially if it's like around the holiday season. If you ever like, I don't know what to get someone, you know how sometimes you're just like, you have so many people at Christmas that you're not that close with, so you don't really know what to get them. And you're like, uh, like, should I just get them a candle? Get them a book that you love. Like I've bonded with people so much because I'll give them a book that I really love. And sometimes it's like off-putting for people. They're like, oh, I don't even know you that well. And you're giving me this like really intense book. But sometimes it's like it bonds you with people because they're like, thank you so much for recommending that book to me. Like I've given Jessica's book to like five different people and I will continue to do that. I think Jessica's book is like a book every woman should read. But especially if you have addiction issues or body issues or any of the things that Jessica has gone through. But like just in general, even if you can't relate to Jessica, like on an outside level, I think after reading that book, you really will. So yeah, I love getting people books because I just feel like giving someone knowledge and something like that. And the thing is like, I think sometimes that does put pressure on people because they like then they feel obligated to like read the book and like talk to you about it later. But to me, I'm like, even if they don't read the book, it'll sit on their shelf and then maybe someday it'll find them. You know what I mean? I've had that before where people will give me a book and I'm just like, oh, I'm not really interested in this. And I just put it on the shelf. And then like at a certain point in life, you just pick it up and you get something out of it. So I'm excited. I love Christmas shopping. Although I always get stressed every year. I'm like, really? I have to spend like all this additional money? (laughs) Does anyone else have that realization every year? And you're just like, ugh. Like I love Christmas, but I feel like people get too obsessed with the gift giving and stuff. I don't even, honestly, I'm not one of those people that has to give a gift to like everybody. You know, I would if I was rich, but I'm one of those people that like, I try to make my circle smaller. So like I'm not the type of person that goes to every party and has to bring like the most extravagant thing or whatever. Like I try to give a lot to my close, close people rather than just like getting a ton of like meaningless gifts for people. Because I know people like that, that like, you know, they they get like everybody a candle. And that's very nice. It's very generous. But I try to focus more on the people that I'm closer to. The next question is from Robert who said a lot of nice things about my podcast. Thank you so much, Robert. He asked, do you think that the rewatch podcasts are getting old 
is the market too saturated with them or are you enjoying them? Which one is your favorite? So I know I don't think that the rewatch podcasts are getting old. If you're not sure what Robert's talking about, it's a trend right now that stars of a show will go back and watch the show episode by episode and do a podcast about it. The la- the first one I remember was The Office Ladies, which is um, Jenna from The Office and what's her, uh, Angela Kinsey. They, they're the two people doing it together, right? I was never super into The Office, so I've never heard it, but there are so many now. The one that I love is The OC. It's called Welcome to the OC Bitches, and it's Julie Cooper and Summer Roberts, a.k.a. Melinda Clark and Rachel Bilson doing it. I love that one. And the truth is, no, I don't think that it's getting old. I don't think the market is oversaturated with it, and here's why. Because each show has its own audience. Like, I am a fan of the girls next door as you guys know if you follow my account or my podcast and I've been listening to girls next level which is Holly and Bridget recapping the show and talking about all of their experiences and I see people comment all the time because I also am on their patreon I see people comment and say I never listen to podcasts but I love yours or this is the first podcast I've ever listened to so when you think about it like it's like those people have no interest in all these other rewatch podcasts. Like, this is the show that they're into. Like, there's some people that don't watch a lot of TV. So, like, if they start doing a Boy Meets World rewatch podcast, which they have, three of the stars of Boy Meets World have started one, it's like somebody who's not into a lot of TV but watched Boy Meets World as a kid will tune in for that, right? I know Bethany is doing a Real Housewives one right now, and I know a lot of Real Housewives fans will tune in no matter what to hear that, you know? And there's a lot of people that really don't watch that much TV, but they love the Real Housewives. So I feel like there's a niche audience for everything. And that's why I think that whatever you want to make in life, you should just go for it. Like my podcast is called The Ashley and Jessica's. Like, yeah, I expanded into other topics this year, but I started off just being about Jessica and Ashley. And some people might've said, well, that's really super niche. That's not going to have a big audience or whatever. But people responded to it right away because there are people that love Jessica and Ashley and are just, you know, they want to reminisce on their television shows and their music. And there's an audience for everything. You know, there's you can have the most niche, like weirdest thing and there will be an audience for it. So I always think people should just go for it and do whatever they want. I really think that Full House will be next if there isn't already I think that you're gonna see Candace Cameron or I think you know what I think it it would be probably Candace Cameron Jodie Sweetin and Andrea Barber who played Kimmy I can totally see the three of them doing a podcast or Joey and Jesse right John Stamos and Dave Coulier could totally see that and honestly if Bob Saget hadn't passed away I think he would have jumped on the, that you know but nostalgia's in right now and I think it makes perfect sense to want to hear the perspective of the people that were actually on the shows I think you know five years ago it was more popular just for fans to do a rewatch podcast like Gilmore Guys is a podcast that exploded and became huge started off with just like a few hundred listeners or whatever and then Lauren Graham herself ended up being on the show right like it became such a huge show then the trend morphed into the stars of the shows themselves doing it the show that I would kill for obviously I just talked about it is Friends like I think 
if like Lisa Kudrow did a Friends podcast, like I would die. That would be amazing. Mind blowing, right? Like that would just be so great. And you know what? They won't because they do make so much in residuals. But I think that doing a podcast, like if you're a celebrity, doing a podcast, I think is easy money. It's not for people like me who have to build an audience from nothing and have to edit everything themselves and market everything themselves. But if you're a celebrity and you can hire your assistant to do all that shit and you just talk on the mic and, you know, whatever, like it's easy money for for those people, you know. So I think you're going to see a lot more of them pop up and I'm excited. I hope that more shows that I love have them. I personally am not tired of it yet because it's different for every show, you know? So as long as they continue coming out with them, I will continue listening to them. So the next question is from Courtney and Courtney asked, thoughts on Pamela Anderson's upcoming book? Will you be reading it? Yes, absolutely. I actually pre-ordered the audiobook because not only do I find Pamela to be such a fascinating person, but I love the sound of her voice. If you've never heard it, go listen to one of her Howard Stern interviews. I love not only the sound of her voice, like I think her voice is so comforting, but I love her entire demeanor. Like she talks about major life events, like major traumas that she's been through. As if it was just like, oh yeah, just another day. Well, this happened to me and you know, it's okay. I'm fine and blah, blah, blah. Like I just think that she has such a good outlook and she doesn't come off to me as somebody who hasn't dealt with those traumas. Like she comes off to me as somebody who has dealt with them and like has dealt with them privately and can publicly just kind of talk about things casually. And I'm just really interested in her expression of telling her own story in her own words. I cannot wait. I will literally the, the second it comes out, like literally when it comes out at midnight, I will be pressing download and I will be listening. Okay, the next question that I have here is from Daniel who said that my podcast is his favorite Anytime someone says that, I'm literally shocked just because there's so many podcasts out there and I just, it's just such an honor to hear that. Like, thank you so much, Daniel. But Daniel said, I know that you're a huge film fan. What has been your favorite film of 2022 so far and what movie are you most looking forward to seeing this Oscar season? I cannot believe it's already like almost mid-November, like we've almost had all of the movies come out that we're going to see this year. It's crazy. So my favorite movie of the year so far is called Cha-Cha Real Smooth. And it's by this indie filmmaker, Cooper Rafe, who's super young. I think he's like 25 now, but his first movie came out when he was like 22 or 23 maybe. His mo- his first movie was called Shit House, And I hate even saying that title, not that I'm afraid to like curse or anything, but it just shouldn't be called that. It's just shit house is such a like rough title for such a kind, sweet, lovely, raw movie filled with such true emotion. First, I'm going to talk about shit house because I feel like a lot of people don't know about this movie and then I'll get into cha-cha real smooth. So shit house came out in 2020. It was my favorite movie of that year, I think. And it's about Cooper plays himself. I mean, not, not himself. He He plays the Cooper plays the lead role and he also wrote and directed it. And he plays a guy that goes off to college and he's really close with his mom and his sister. And so moving away from them is really hard for him. And he, for the first like six months of college, doesn't really connect with anyone, just feels really weird. Like he has a roommate, but like his roommate and him, the energy is so off. And he meets this girl who's an RA and she and him just bond. And it is a love story, but it's not like a hit 
you over your head love story like it's an awkward real raw love story like it actually feels like it really feels when you meet someone and you're young and you're awkward and you don't know what to do but you definitely feel a connection and like I I don't know how to explain it it's just such a good fucking movie it's so so amazing and my favorite movies are like independent films about relationships whether it be romantic or family relationships and this has both and it is just so beautiful because I think you know a lot of people talk about toxic masculinity and this movie is like the opposite of that because it shows him crying because he misses his mom and his sister so much and I think it's really hard when you leave for college and you have this huge adjustment where you're living separately from the people that you've always lived with for 18 years and I'm so happy that I didn't go off to college at 18. I'm so grateful to my parents that they didn't force me. I went to college um, a few years later and I had the most amazing college experience as a result because I wasn't like forced to do it. And he's not forced to do it in this movie. Like I get that a lot of 18 year olds do just genuinely want to go off to college. But what a hard adjustment because I feel like now that I'm a little bit older, I feel like 18 is like a baby. And I'm like, wow, like you, like 18 year olds really move across the whole freaking country or go to another country for college. And it's like their whole world is different. And maybe if they didn't have such a great home life, that's a very welcome change. But I think for a lot of people that are really close with family or have great lives at home or love their town that they grew up in, I think it can be really traumatic to just suddenly be ripped out of that and have to like learn how to be an adult on your own. And this addresses that like from the male perspective. And there's not a lot of movies where you see a male like crying like that and I just I loved like I can't tell you how much I loved shithouse so as soon as I found out about cha-cha real smooth I was so excited it's again stars cooper and he writes and directs it but his co-star is dakota johnson who I just think is phenomenal I know a lot of people call her like oh nepotism baby whatever she's so good and the two of them in this movie together it's about a really complicated relationship between him and her I'm not going to get into anything further just watch it I cannot stress the level that I love this movie I actually maybe want to turn it on tonight just because I'm feeling all the emotions in life right now and like This is definitely one of those movies that, like I said, I'm not the type to like call a friend and be like, I have to talk. I'm the kind of person that like processes emotions and my life experiences through music and movies and stuff. And so this is that type of movie that I just feel like you feel all of the things. Like it's just about two people in a complicated relationship. And I'm not going to say whether it's like romantic or not. Like it's one of those like that you can't even put your finger on what the relationship is. Like have you ever had that with somebody where you don't even know what it is. You just know that you like feel all of the things. And it's called Cha Cha Real Smooth because he works as like um like one of those people that like pumps up the energy at like bat mitzvahs. <laughs> like a, what is it called? It's not party posse, but it's like a party. I can't remember what it's called. I know Tiffany Haddish did that job before she became famous because I read her memoir too. I can't remember what, it, what it's called, but it's basically somebody that comes to a party just to like keep the energy up and like get everybody on the dance floor and like coordinate like different like games and things like that. And so he is working that job and that's why it's called Cha Cha Real Smooth because like that song always gets played at, at Batman's Buzz, but it's about so much more than that, obviously. It's just... Again, I'm one of those people, I love like small indie intimate movies about relationships and he just, Cooper does that so well and he has another movie that he's working on right now with David Harbour from Stranger Things who I'm obsessed with him 
and he's also doing an Amazon series. So I'm really excited because the industry is really responding to him. Whereas like a lot of the time, you know, indie filmmakers have a really hard time like rising in the ranks of Hollywood and Cooper doesn't seem to be going through that. I think that a lot of people are responding to these movies the way that I have. And I'm just so excited to see what he comes out with next. As far as the other movies that I'm excited about for this year, my main one was Killers of the Flower Moon, which is the new Martin Scorsese film with Leo again, but that was pushed to 2023. So all my hopes and dreams were just destroyed. And <laughs> I'm like, okay, just got to keep going in life until then because I have to see that movie. My other most anticipated, I'm really excited to see White Noise. I love Noah Baumbach and I am just excited to see what he does next. I watch all of his movies and it just looks really good. Has Adam Driver and uh, Greta Gerwig. He's collabed with both of them in past projects that I've loved. So I'm really excited for that. I'm really excited for the new Damien Chazelle movie, Babylon. I love that his next movie after La La Land is also a Hollywood movie. I think because I spent time in Hollywood this year, I'm just feeling all the feelings about Hollywood history and like, I don't know, all of that. Just the romanticism of old Hollywood and the Hollywood Hills and old movie stars and things like that. And I, I just think Damien Chazelle is so talented. And La La Land is one of those movies that... When I first saw it, I loved it. And then upon rewatch, I was like, oh, this movie actually sucks. <laughs> and then I didn't watch it for a while. And then I rewatched it in 2020, like during lockdown. And I was like, this is one of the best fucking movies that's ever been made. And I still feel that way. Every time I even think about La La Land, I get emotional. And maybe I should watch that tonight. I'm just like, <laughs> I just need to watch a bunch of movies that make me emotional and have a good cry. And then I'll be all set. Next question comes from Casey. She says, hey, Leah, can you just give your overall thoughts on the Girls Next Level podcast so far? And also, is the Patreon worth it? I am not that interested in subscribing until I get some reviews from other people. Okay, so overall thought on Girls Next Level is that I am obsessed with it. I don't know why I just find this Playboy Mansion shit so endlessly fascinating. I... I love Holly and Bridget so much. I feel like they're my girlfriends. I feel like if I met them, which I have met Holly before, but like if I met them, it would be one of those very weird paras parasocial things where I would have to like keep myself in check because I would have to be like, okay, remember, you don't know them. But I am just fascinated, fascinated by them and their stories. I could listen to them talk forever. I often listen to Girls Next Level like more than once. Isn't that insane? Like when you, if you even knew how busy I am, <laughs> on a daily basis like it's insane that I would listen to anything more than once but I just I don't know I just find it so fascinating as far as the Patreon eh, you could subscribe in like six months and just listen binge everything because like I don't know the only like real benefit of the Patreon is that they do another podcast that is a Patreon only podcast called Slumber Party which is just Holly and Bridget talking about whatever's going on in their lives. I love it because I'm obsessed. So like to me it's worth it. But if you're not like crazy obsessed. I don't think that you need to join the Patreon. Sorry guys. I mean I don't mean to be like. just. I don't mean to discourage anybody from joining a Patreon. Like I have a Patreon and you know. I appreciate everybody's support. And I would never want someone to discourage another person. From you know. Listening to my Patreon. I work so hard on it. But I do think they could offer more to the patrons, but I also get that they're two busy women 
I don't know. Like the summer party podcast is like 40 minutes every week of them just like talking. And I find it really interesting. I like hearing them. And there is some tea about the mansion in there too. But yeah, I, I, I enjoy the Patreon. But the main feed is really where it's at. And I love it. Like I love hearing. I mean, I've watched The Girls Next Door over and over and over again. So over so many years, like watching the same episodes over and over and then hearing their like scene to scene commentary and what was going on and what they think of it today and all of that is very interesting to me. I also recently heard Bridget on the Anna Ferris Unqualified podcast and I was like, this is so interesting because she was getting into a lot more about her upbringing in high school and like her first breakup and stuff. And I was like, whoa, I want to hear more about this stuff. Like Bridget wrote a book. I think she said she is almost like it's like 75% of the way done. But she stopped writing it because she didn't think anybody really had an interest in her Playboy life anymore, which is obviously extremely incorrect. But also like I just have an interest in like things that happened before like I love one thing about memoirs is like I think sometimes when you start reading a celebrity memoir you're like oh get to the point like I want to hear about the juicy stuff but with Holly's book I didn't feel that way like I find her whole book interesting like even though yes like I read it because I wanted to hear about the mansion stuff I just think her whole life has been really interesting and I think I enjoy like I just enjoy them as personalities and I think there's a lot more coming from these two and I think this is going to be a really big success for them and I'm really happy that the podcast is doing as well as it is and I just I think it's a great podcast and like I said I don't get tired of the rewatch it podcast because I think if you're really passionate about a show you want to hear that and you want to you know you want to look back on that so thank you so much for your question let's see where the next question comes from okay the next question comes from Claire who asked what celebrity do you love that everyone hates and what celebrity do you hate that everyone loves? Love this question. So I also want to combine this with another question that I got. Hold on, let me find it. Okay, this girl, Jenna. So Jenna said, I love how positive you always are on the podcast and on the Instagram. I love that you never talk shit about women. I think that it's so empowering to hear such positivity constantly coming out of your mouth. It's so rare in the podcast world to hear that. But because you're always so positive, I'm super curious to hear what pop stars do you dislike? Thank you for your question. Okay, so I know that some people are going to hate me for this. (laughs) There are two big female pop stars that I just don't get okay I'm just gonna preface this okay the first one well I'm just gonna say the first one the first one is Taylor Swift I'm sorry but I'm actually really happy that I am not interested in seeing Taylor Swift live because even my therapist today asked me for advice on how to get Taylor Swift tickets because most people in my life know that I'm obsessed with going to concerts and that's one of my favorite things to do in life. And, you know, you have to be very strategic when getting tickets, especially when it's somebody like Taylor Swift. So my therapist asked me at the end of our session, how, like for advice on that, which is so funny. I don't hate Taylor Swift at all. Like the first question that was asked, like what celebrity do you ha- love that everybody hates or or hate that everybody loves? I don't hate Taylor Swift at all. I never have. I just never have gotten it. There's nothing, I don't find her interesting. But there are a few songs of hers that I do love. Like I've always loved the song Love Song. Like I just think that song is so, it's like a fairy tale. I just think it's very cute. One time I was performing at a party and the dad came over to me and said, I'm going to propose. Can you guys be a part of it? I was playing Anna and Elsa. I mean, I was playing Elsa and I had somebody playing Anna or our inspired Anna and Elsa characters. And it was just magical. Like they played that song, love song. 
And when Taylor Swift sung, he kneeled to the ground and pulled out a ring and said, marry me. That like he did. He got on a knee. I mean, I'm going to cry. It was beautiful. And there are a few, so like a few of her newer songs I like. Like I think I know that a lot of her fans don't love the album Lover, but I actually liked, I liked the whole aesthetic of that album and I liked the lighter like thing. So I don't, I don't hate Taylor Swift at all. Like I don't find anything wrong with her. I just don't get it. Like I don't, I, my two best friends adore Taylor, like live and die for Taylor Swift. I can never imagine being passionate about her. It just, something there doesn't click and no offense to any, I know I'm sure a ton of people listening to this adore her. I just have never been on board and I'm actually really relieved about that because she's so popular and so ubiquitous right now that it's just a nightmare to get tickets. And if my heart depended on like, you know, getting those tickets, I would be really stressed right now. So my heart goes out to all of you uh, who are trying to get Taylor Swift tickets. Godspeed. And the other artist, I'm going to get so much flack for this. I just want to preface it by saying, disclaimer, I think this woman is very talented and very beautiful and I think she is smart and I think she has good business sense and I think it's amazing considering where she came from and the success that she's had and some of the things that she's been through especially publicly have been horrible and I I think she's wonderful again like there's no I don't hate her at all but her music I've never heard an album of hers so you're probably thinking like well how can you judge her music if you've never even sat down and listened to a whole album It's because I find most of her singles to be pretty bad songs and singles are supposed to sell an album and I've never been sold on her as a musical artist. I have no desire to listen to one of her albums from beginning to end even though most of the people that I know that love all the other artists I love love her too. I just have never gotten it. Um, I think her voice is okay but I think her singles are mostly bad. In fact she has a few singles that I cannot even like if they come on at a bar or something I'm like I have to leave. (laughs) Like I don't actually leave. That's dramatic but I'm just like I hate this song. So the person I'm talking about is Rihanna. I know. I know you all love Rihanna. I just don't. I I hate the song Rude Boy and I hate what's the other song by hers that I literally like literally gives me a headache. Oh what's my name? I don't get it. I think her songs are mostly bad. I love SOS. Well, that was one of her early ones. That was actually my ringtone when I was a teenager. So slay. Like I'm like, I again, I'm not, I don't hate her by any means. I think she's awesome. I just don't, her music just isn't for me. One time for dance, I did a dance to the song Desperado, which I really like that song Desperado. Uh, there's a few other like I think Disturbia is an okay single obviously like Umbrella is just one of those ubiquitous songs that's like undeniable but like for the most part I like I just never again it's kind of like with Taylor Swift although I find Rihanna like 8 billion times more interesting than I do Taylor Swift but like I just nothing there's nothing about Rihanna that's pulled me in ever like I've never been like ooh, I need to hear her album now like I just have never had that thought Um, If there's any like really good standout Rihanna songs that are like, you know, not obvious, something like Umbrella, like, you know, something that's on an album that you think is like her best song, please like let let me know. I'll go listen to it on Spotify. But I just have never, um, I've just never cared for either of them. Nothing against either of them again. And then as far as like celebrity that I love that everyone hates, I have probably a few of these because I don't really believe in cancel culture. So like for instance, I don't, okay, this is, I don't want to confuse anybody. I'm not saying that I love this person at all. I don't, I don't care for him. 
But like a good example of this is Kevin Spacey, who is in one of my favorite movies of all time, American Beauty. One of my friends also loves that movie and was saying how he cannot watch the movie anymore because of Kevin Spacey and what he's been accused of. And I believe the victims of Kevin Spacey. Like I am not saying that I don't believe them. I have no fondness for Kevin Spacey as a person. Like I was never like a Kevin Spacey fan or anything, but I have no issue watching American Beauty. Like I think first of all, as an actor and as somebody in show business, like I don't think it's fair to everybody else who made American Beauty, the hundred or more other people that worked on that movie. Like you're now just suddenly never going to watch that movie again. Like, and I get that some people are like, well, I can't because I also have trauma from sexual abuse or something like that. And that's all I think about when I watch. Obviously, that is completely fair and understandable. And, you know, I have no issue with people like that. But like people that are just like, fuck him, I'm never going to watch his work again. It's like, well, okay, but there's a lot of other people that worked on that movie. It's not like it's like. Like when I watch American Beauty, I don't think I'm supporting Kevin Spacey. It's not like I'm showing up to like a Kevin Spacey book signing or something, which I would never do. It's just, I don't really get cancel culture. Like I still watch Woody Allen movies. Like I think you can still enjoy a movie or music without being fully on board and supporting. Like I've just never been someone who's like, I'm going to write that person off. Like if Charles Manson, you know, came out with something which I know he passed away but like if he came out with like a book or something I would want to read it like just because he's an evil person like doesn't mean that you know yes like I don't want to give him the support or the money or whatever but like I don't I don't want to consume things that are only made by perfect human beings I want to read stuff by read stuff or watch stuff by people that are complicated messed up people as well so like I just don't I don't know it's a complicated thing because I also don't want to support obviously like I don't want to line their pockets with money but I just think it's complicated with movies because it's like so many other people made that movie I think it's a little bit different with music like I totally get if like someone is accused of rape or something you know I totally get being like I'm never gonna go to that person's concert again that makes perfect sense because that's like that's like direct support of them but I feel like with movies it's like I would never stop watching a movie just because one person is a part of that movie. Like a hundred other people worked on that movie. Why should their work just be disregarded because of one person? I just like that's fair. And to me, a movie like American Beauty is such a phenomenal piece of art that I almost feel like it transcends anything. Like say we found documented proof tomorrow that Shakespeare was like a rapist. Like we somehow found proof of it or whatever. Like are are all of his works just going to get pulled from every school in America like or in the world like probably not his work does kind of transcend that because it's so enriching to people and helps people learn and is just phenomenal work right like are you going to just take down a Van Gogh if you discover that he was he murdered somebody it's like no his art is still beautiful like and I know what I'm saying right now will probably piss some people off but like that's just how I feel Um, again, like I believe victims and all that kind of stuff. Like I'm not saying I don't believe these people. I'm just saying like I, I can still consume something made by somebody who has done wrong or committed a crime, especially because I don't think the other people who worked on it should suffer. I'm just good at separating art from artists. So that said, I have always loved, and I don't think people hate this person, but I think he's someone who people kind of raise an eyebrow at. 
I love John Travolta and I know that people don't like him because he's a Scientologist but I just my heart goes out to him because I really think he's one of those people that's like stuck in Scientology I think they have something on him and not that he's gay like I don't think that's it because I think at this point like his wife passed away I also loved his wife Kelly Preston I mean at this point his wife passed away I think like being gay in Hollywood is not something that hurts your career really like I don't think that John would like not get roles or something if he announced he was gay like I think it's fine like at this point I don't think the thing that Scientology has on him is that he's gay I think that there's something else like maybe he did something wrong early on in life or like I don't know like they have something on him because if you watch Going Clear it just really sounds to me like he wanted to leave early on and like got trapped in there and I don't know but I've always loved John Travolta I think he's one of the best actors of the past like 50 years I just think he is so talented I think he's born to be on screen I think even like his underrated roles are so good he made this movie early on with Brian De Palma called Blowout which is like phenomenal movie if you haven't seen that please watch it I wish Quentin Tarantino would write another like really good role for him or somebody would write a really good role for him because I feel like he's kind of like a joke now as far as like acting goes because of Gotti and because of what was that movie The Fanatic with Devin Sawa that he did like I love John Travolta I think he's so talented I think he's adorable every time I see him in an interview he just seems like the most lovable person I feel like he's gone through so much tragedy and trauma in his life and I think that if it was his choice he would leave Scientology like I genuinely think he's like stuck in it and I've also always loved Kirstie Alley who's like tied into all of that stuff too right like she's a hardcore Scientologist she's a hardcore Trump supporter and I'm not going to get into political stuff but I am not a Trump supporter so some of the stuff that she has said doesn't even have to do with Trump just like some of the very like some of the more conservative views that she has like I definitely have a problem with but I love Kirstie Alley as an actress like she's somebody that a lot of people can't stand and like I just think she is so talented and I think that she really went through a lot of stupid unnecessary shit because of her weight gain like she was very much a part of that like toxic early 2000s culture she's another person like talking about Pamela Anderson I think Kirstie Alley has the most pleasing voice like I would 100% listen to an audiobook voiced by her I've always loved like her attitude and her personality and when I, I grew up with her movies and I think she's so talented like I think she gave some of the best most sympathetic beautiful performances early on in her career like I just think she's so talented but like I can't follow her on social media anymore because of some of the stuff that she says is just too much I don't know I just feel like she's fascinating to me like I, I really find her to be a fascinating person I actually really want to do a series like my Lindsay series I want to do a series on John Travolta Kirstie Alley and Kelly Preston because I think their whole story is so interesting like all three of them have individually really interesting stories and crazy lives and then like their connection as well like very fascinating so I might do that someday if there's any interest in that let me know I've literally talked so long about this one question that I need a drink of water so I will be right back but let me know if that's something you will you would ever be interested in okay so let's get into some Jessica questions because I got a lot of Jessica questions as I always do I addressed everything with everything going on with the Pottery Barn video and her weight and people saying she's on pills or she's drinking again. I addressed all that on my Patreon. I'm not going to talk about that here. So if you want to hear my opinion on that or you want to talk about that with me, please join Patreon. But so these are going to be more like positive questions. Okay. So what's your favorite Jessica product that you own? 
Love this question. So my favorite Jessica product, I mean, I love her perfumes, but I think my favorite thing that I own from her right now is the rainbow shoes that I have. They're called the Preppy Pump and they're a black high heel with different colored rhinestones. And they are so cute. They're not comfortable, but they're adorable. They're hot. They dress up any outfit. Like one of my favorite things to do is to wear like a plain-ish outfit with a statement piece. So I'll wear jeans and a black top with these shoes and it just jazzes up the outfit so much because the shoes are such a statement piece. Like they're rainbow rhinestoned high heels, right? So you can't be loud with the rest of your outfit when you wear them, but they just stand out so well and I always wear them to special occasions and I always get so many compliments. The ideal time to wear them is is a special occasion where you're going to be standing a little but you're going to be sitting from like a like a nice dinner or like a party someone's like you know uh, anniversary or something where you're going to be sitting at a table for most of the time because <laughs> they do hurt. When people say that Jessica's shoes, high heels are super comfortable, I'm like, girl, I don't know what, <laughs> like, I love you, Jessica, but they're not because they're high heels. They can only be so comfortable, right? But yeah, those are my favorite. What is the last Jessica song that you listen to? Party of One. I have been listening to it so much after Jessica's response to all of the comments and everything about her, like... I just think it is such a powerful song and I just that song means so much to me. It's one of my favorite Jessica songs so I'm so happy that she used it in the way that she did to respond to people and again I, I get into all this on my Patreon so if you want to hear my opinions on it um, I'm much more raw and unfiltered on my Patreon because I know that Jessica won't hear that and it's not it's not like I'm fake on this main feed or anything like that and I'm, I'm just like oh wow Jessica's the best like I'll critique Jessica's like performances or music or you know fashion whatever like I'll say negative things about Jessica and Ashley or any of my favorite celebrities on here because I want you guys to be able to trust me and know that when I endorse something it's a genuine endorsement and there are plenty of Jessica and Ashley things that I'm not interested in or that I don't like or that I don't think we're good you know but I just am raw and unfiltered on there because I just don't want I know that Jessica knows about the podcast and I just don't want like if she randomly decided to tune into an episode I don't want it to be like well here are my thoughts on Jessica's body now or something you know I just don't want her to think that's what the podcast is about so like the Patreon is where I really get into it but I just think Party of One is such a remarkable song and I think this new era of Jessica music which if you don't know Party of One is a song that was on her audiobook for Open Book and even if you have the book already please buy the audiobook just for the songs. I mean you also can just hear them on YouTube. I really hope that she'll release them on streaming just because you know it's easier for somebody just to go to Spotify and listen to them. I feel like even as a Jessica stan I end up listening to the open book songs less because I have to like pull up the audiobook and that's just like not what you think of doing when you're just like listening to music in your car and you know you're listening to your favorites on shuffle or whatever but I just think Party of One is so it's just such a me song because I've always been so independent. I'm an only child and I'm an Aries. So I've just been, always been a little different and always been like just very reliant on myself. And I just feel so connected to that song because I think it's so true. You know, like, yes, we have friends and family that we love and we walk through life with. But at the end of the day, you're with one person from the time that you're born until the time that you die. And that person is you and you have to love that person and take care of that person and have a good relationship with that person because that person is you. Like, it's just... It's a great song and I'm just so excited for the future of what Jessica will come out with as far as music goes because 
I know that it's going to be a whole new level. Like I think it's going to be in this skin times 20. Like I just think we're going to get raw, emotional, real, true Jessica. And I just, I can't wait to hear more songs along the lines of something like Party of One or Heartbeat. Eggplants for Everyone said, what celebrated Hollywood relationship do you think is actually toxic and red flaggy? Will and Jada. <laughs> I've kind of always felt that way. Well, not always. I think like back in the 90s, I mean like I love them as a couple too I don't know it's hard for me to say that because I I'm a fan of them individually and I've always been a fan of them together but I just feel like I don't know like in some ways I'm like oh them putting it all out there on red table talk was like really great and I love the honesty and I love them being real and sharing that with the world instead of putting up a wall but I feel like with Will and Jada it's one of those things where you think that you wanted to know more about their personal life, but then once you actually learn it, you're like, hmm, I didn't need to know that. I was good. Like, I was good being in the dark on that. So I feel like they send up red flags to me. I, maybe it's because I don't like open marriages and please don't send me messages or emails if you're like, I've been in an open marriage for 30 years and it works for me, congratulations. I don't like their vibe. Like if they do have an open marriage, I don't think it's a healthy open marriage. I get that people have healthy open marriages, but I don't think that that's one of them. And I just think, I mean, and I felt this way before the whole thing of the Oscars too. Like I just, I just feel a weird vibe there. Like I want to believe that they just have this like great family and there's nothing to actually worry about, but I don't know. Brittany Jessica Moodring asked, what's your comfort movie? This is such a great question for me because I think in general movies are a huge comfort to me. Like it's almost like every movie is my comfort movie because I watch so many movies and I always have since I was a kid. I've always been like... I'm not the type to like, let's go out and, and party. Like I'm the type to be like, let's stay home and watch a movie. But the first thing that I think of when I think of comfort movie is the movie Now and Then, which I think is a really underrated 90s movie. I think it gets more attention now than it has in a really long time. But if you haven't seen it, please watch it. It's about these four best friends growing up in the 60s. And it's just about this like really remarkable summer in their lives. And it just really reminds me of being a young girl. I think the girls are like 12 in the movie and it, I just feel it really captures that specific period where you're not a little girl anymore, but you're not an adult yet. You're not even a teenager yet really, but you're starting to go through some teen things and you're starting to have more adult feelings in so many different ways and you're just trying to navigate all that and you have to deal with school and your parents and that dynamic and your family and you're trying to like learn and grow, but you also feel like a kid in some ways, but in other ways you just want to like explode and grow up and get out and see the world and do things and I just love what the friendships in that movie and I also love the adult actors so it goes between the present day and then their childhood and the present day is played by Melanie Griffith, Rosie O'Donnell, Demi Moore and Rita Wilson and they're just phenomenal the four of them together and then the younger counterparts are also so talented it's Christina Ricci, Gabby Hoffman, Ashley Aston Moore, who unfortunately passed away, rest in peace. She's so great in the movie, and Thora Birch. And they're just all eight actresses portray the roles 
to perfection. Like, I can't explain how good it is. I, I really feel this should have been like an Oscar-nominated movie. I just think it's such a brilliant coming-of-age movie. It's just such a lovely movie about female friendship and childhood and teen years and everything. I mean, it just, I saw it for the first time when I was six years old. And I'll never forget we were on vacation in Long Beach Island. Jersey girls know. It was like a rainy day. So my mom took us to the video store. My cousin like picked out this movie and she was like, you have to see this movie. It's my favorite movie right now. And we watched it um, like on a rainy day by the beach. And I have watched it very frequently in my life since. It's, it's one of my all-time favorite comfort movies. Jonathan asked, what's your favorite Jessica Simpson album cover? And hands down, I didn't even have to think about it. It's the first one, Sweet Kisses. I think that is one of the most beautiful pictures of anyone that I've ever seen. And I love how it's just like a beauty shot. It's just a very simple, no clothes, but not in a sexual way because they don't show anything. Like it's it's like the suggestion of, of that, but not that. Very simple makeup, hair slicked back. Like I just think she just is so stunning and... Yeah, I, I think that's by far her best album cover. Whitney asks, what book are you currently reading? So obviously I talked a lot about Matthew Perry's book, which I had just finished. And now I'm on to Jeanette McCurdy's book. I bought the audiobook not too long ago just because everybody was raving about it when it first came out. And honestly, I just didn't connect with it that much. Maybe it was because I'm so close with my mom and I literally have like the best mom ever. So I guess it just wasn't my cup of tea, but I completely get the humor of, you know, if you don't know, her book is titled, I'm glad my mom died. Like I totally get, like I, I love that kind of like sardonic, like in your face humor, but I'm giving it another try because I saw her interview on the Drew Barrymore show. And I think Drew Barrymore is so talented at like, she's one of those people that no matter who she interviews, I end up liking them by the end of it. And Drew has a lot in common with Jeanette. So I think that just made me in, more interested in Jeanette because I never watched iCarly so like a bunch of my friends were talking about how much they loved Jeanette's book and I was like well I didn't even like really know who she was like I knew that she was like a child star but I I probably like before this book came out if you said like what show was she on I wouldn't even remember that she was on iCarly I never watched that so um, my friends were like, oh, we were obsessed with iCarly. Like, that's why we were interested in the book to begin with. So I guess I just didn't connect with her that much. But now that I am reading it or listening to it and I'm looking at it from a different perspective after seeing her on Drew's show, I, I do like it a lot. I'm not obsessed, but maybe we'll get to that point. I will update you and let you guys know how much I loved the book. But if anybody has any book recommendations... Please let me know. I always have a stack of books. I'm always like listening to three audiobooks at the same time as I'm reading like five books. Like I, I just, I love books. So let me know. Okay, so my next question that I have, I can't remember who it's from. It like disappeared. So I'm so sorry if this was your question. Please let me know. But I have it saved in my notes app. So I'm sorry, I don't know who it's from. But the question was basically to the effect of like, who is your favorite underrated pop girl? And you know what's so funny is my first thought was Jessica because <laughs> I still think she's so underrated. But obviously I know that that's not who you mean. Like you mean like, you know, the Willa Fords, the Samantha Mumbas, the vitamin C's of the world, right? And I loved Stacey Orrego. Like I, I only know a couple of her songs though. So I don't think that that's like the appropriate answer. But I think Stacey Orrego should have had a better shot because that song Stuck was like the perfect early 2000s pop jam. But I have to say Dream. My, um, one of my favorite albums of the early 2000s is their album, It Was All a Dream. Like I think there's some seriously great 
tracks on there that were never singles. I, I do think their singles were great though. Like I think He Loves You Not is another like just pitch perfect like um, song video of the time. Like I just feel like it encapsulates the early 2000s pop world so well. And I think it's so disappointing that they didn't have a better career. I would love to do a series on them. Like what exactly happened? I know a little bit about what happened, but not, I couldn't like intelligently give you a story from beginning to end without doing some research on them first so yeah I really like their album like they have a few songs on there that I just think are genuinely so great and you can tell that a lot of care was put into that album like it wasn't as though they were just trying to shuffle out whatever they could just to get like a girl group going like I really think that um, a lot of talent was shown on that album so I would have to say dream okay so the next question comes from Amy she says hey Leah I love the podcast and I know that you said that you didn't want to do a girls next door series but I just wanted you to know that I love anytime that you talk about them or post about them and I would love to hear more of your perspective on them. I was wondering though what your thoughts are on Hugh Hefner. I feel like you always talk about the girls but don't really give your opinion on Hef. I think he's such a complicated person and there's a lot of things to admire about him but I also find him totally disgusting so I feel constantly conflicted when I watch the girls next door or anything else on Playboy. Would love to hear your thoughts. Thank you so much for the podcast. You're welcome. It's so nice when people thank me for making the podcast. Like I I just think that's so sweet, but um I totally agree with you, Amy. Like I he's one of the most complex figures of pop culture history, I think. I mean, if if no one knows this, I think that a lot of people feel like he's complicated and not just like a disgusting person because he um, was a civil rights advocate back in the day like he would have black entertainers on this show that he did called Playboy After Dark when nobody else would have black people on television like it was like crazy I mean it was so obviously like it was it was a really really tough time in America and that really ties into if you know anything about me you know that I'm obsessed with the Kennedys and like one of the reasons that I love them is the action that they took regarding civil rights and all of that so it really ties into that I'm just very fascinated with that era of of not just pop culture but culture and America and society and I think that Hef was so progressive in a lot of ways and I do think that Playboy was progressive in a lot of ways like I do think that Playboy was and is an awesome way for women to like harness their sexuality and express themselves through these beautiful photographs and I also think that he exploited them like it's complicated right? like it like you said exactly it's complicated there's so many sides it's not just two sides to a coin it's like there's 20 sides to this coin it's so complicated I haven't watched all of Secrets of Playboy but the few episodes that I did watch obviously were like traumatizing and insane and made me sick and so I just I've always loved Playboy magazine and I do think there's a lot of positives about it. Like I could get so much more in depth, but this episode is already too long probably. I do think there was a lot of good things about Playboy, but I also think there were a lot of bad things about it. And then as far as him as a person, obviously like there's enough stories about mistreatment and just disgusting things that, you know, I I wouldn't want to sit down and have a lunch with the guy, but I still think of him as like a fascinating person and a fascinating figure. And I do think he did a lot of good things in life. He's like the perfect example of somebody who was such a multifaceted person. Like there's also a lot of people who have come out after Secrets of Playboy and said, look, like I had the best experience with him. Like several, like a lot of people, a lot of staff members, like people that worked for him 
you know, it's not like they're coming forward and saying he was terrible. They're saying, no, I want to defend him. He was a great employer and a great person to me. You know, I saw him do a lot of great things. So I think that it's, it's like a good reminder that people can be two-sided. Like people can have multiple sides. People can do terrible, disgusting, horrible, horrific things to other people. And people can also at the very same time turn around and be helping somebody or donating money to something or standing up for an important cause. People are multifaceted. I think most people, you know, you could you could probably look at somebody like Jeffrey Dahmer and find positives right like I mean everyone is people are complicated so my thoughts on him are that he's one of the most fascinating complicated figures of the 20th century and I I am I'm kind of like constantly going back and forth on that like I don't I don't think I have a definitive opinion on him like he was good or he was bad I I mean most people are not one or the other right most people are both I'll, I'll always be fascinated by his life story but I'm more interested in like the women you know because without the women playboy would be nothing like, yeah, he might have been the mastermind behind it, but the women built Playboy. And to me, it's it's all about the women. So that's why I don't really talk about him because I want to put the focus on people that were not <laughs> accused of all of these horrible things and so on and so forth. And, you know, I do think the girls next door, like I do think Holly Bridget and Kendra are, are I mean, I think Hef owes them so much. Like I think they are the reason why Playboy was relevant in the 2000s. I think they're the reason why like people my age love Playboy and got interested in Playboy and just the fact that he told them that they were so replaceable and everything and then they literally ended up not being replaceable because when they were replaced the show tanked like that's just uh, it's just such sweet sweet justice (laughs) like oh man he thought he was the reason why that show was doing well and it's like no the girls were doing well and I talked a lot about this with Dara who um just did a girls next door series on her well not she's not just it was like it started a while ago actually and ended a while ago by now time goes so fast but like it's recent like within the last two years she did this girls next door series which is a really good series on her podcast Lay Do You Remember This and I had her on for two episodes of the Ashley and Jessica cast last year so make sure you go back and listen to those we talk a lot about Jessica and Ashley but we also talk a lot about the girls next door and how fascinated we are by the whole thing and um I was telling her that like he owes them everything because I feel like they made him look good I think I thought prior to watching the girls next door I thought oh he just dates whatever blonde bimbo walks through the door and he just dates them because they're hot and that's it and he's just like this you know Lothario guy who wants to come off as the ultimate playboy and wants to look like he's like having sex with all these women and he's probably not and blah 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 But then when I watched the show, I very quickly changed my mind. And I was like, wait, I love all three of these women. Like all three of these women have such unique, interesting personalities. And like they all are smart. I mean, I know some people would say Kendra isn't. But like uh, even Kendra, like I don't think was just like a bimbo. Like Kendra also, you know, she was like smart about certain things. Like I think she was like street smart in certain ways. And like, you know, her knowledge of sports and like her passion for that kind of stuff. Like it made him look better because I was like, oh, he's not just dating whatever bimbo comes around. Like he he picked like three really awesome women. Like, yeah, they're hot. And I'm sure if they weren't skinny and blonde, he wouldn't even have given them a second look. So that's pro- problematic. But also like he wants these women around that have great personalities and like wow it really is true like it's not just about the looks like it's about the personality too like it made him look better it gave me a better impression of him you know so I think he just owes Holly Bridget and Kendra everything and 
I think that like yes Playboy was fascinating before they came around but I think that they just like added so many more layers of like interest for me. So that's the very long answer to what do I think of Hugh Hefner. Okay this question is going to be the last question because I think it's a good one and I've already talked for too long. This question is from Zach who said a lot of really nice things about my podcast. Thank you so much. Sincerely. So he asked I know that you're a really huge Britney fan. I was wondering what you think about her current Instagram posts. There are so many conspiracy theories that she isn't actually free and similar opinions. I don't really know what to think. I do think some of her Instagram posts seem really off and I'm confused by the route that she has taken since becoming free. I also think that she probably just has a lot of trauma and doesn't really know what to do. But I can't help but feel like something is still very wrong. What do you think is going on with Britney? And what do you want to see for her future? So I always get asked this about Britney. Like, what do you want to see from Britney? I, I, I think I answered in my last Ask Me Anything, like a similar question. Like, what do you want to see from her musically? And, but to answer your question, Zach, um, I think that Britney is a traumatized human being. And I think that whatever she's putting out there, we just have to accept that she's processing her trauma, how she's processing it. And the thing that really breaks my heart is that they forced her to see a therapist so often that it seems like she doesn't like therapists now. That hurts me because I really think she needs therapy. And I don't mean that in a way like, meh, she's crazy. She needs therapy. I, I go to therapy. Like I think everyone should be in therapy because life is just hard and we need somebody to talk to to deal with these things. I really think she could benefit from a therapist. Again, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with her, but I feel like she just like trauma dumps on Instagram constantly. And I don't know if that's healthy. I'm not a medical professional, but if that's what she feels the need to do, then that's what she should do. Like I think Brittany just needs to do whatever she needs to do to heal right now and I mean my heart is broken every day when she you know posts a new long caption and she describes something that she went through that was even more horrible than we realized like when she talked about how recently she has nerve damage as a result of how they treated her I mean I ugh, I just got chills like I I can't Britney has always been the sweetest soul like she's been a person all you have to do is watch a 30 second clip of her and you just can tell she is an angel like she's good she is goodness like and I just can't imagine treating anybody like that not to mention the sweetest most adorable woman on the planet so I also think it's very powerful what she posts in terms of all the nudity that she keeps posting I think that she's owning the fact that she now has the ability to, how do I explain this? Like back in the day, her sexuality was a commodity. It was something that a lot of people made money off of, including herself, but it was something that was bought and sold and traded and all of that. And I think that she always has been like a genuinely sexual person and that it has been for the most part like a healthy expression of sexuality but also when you're a commodity and your body is a commodity and your abs are so talked about and your legs are so talked about and your butt and your belly button and like that's weird right and I think that her posting all these like nude selfies and stuff it's like every day almost I feel like there's another nude photo 
And some people comment negative things like what's going on, things aren't right with her, like this is just sad at this point. But I don't really see it as sad. Like I or atten- I don't think she's trying to get attention. I think she knows at this point that she doesn't she, all she has to do is breathe to get attention. Like she has too much attention. I think that she just does it because she's now in control of her image. Like yeah, she does have people that she works with. She has like assistants and she has a lawyer. I think she has a manager too, right? She's not being controlled and told what to do and she's not saying, okay, now you have a Harper's Bazaar photo shoot, so we're going to do that one bottomless and now you have Rolling Stones, so we're going to do that one topless and now you have this. And I'm not saying she had no control over all that stuff because I do think that at times in her career she did have a lot of control and I think there was a lot of, there are a lot of creative moves that Britney made and I, I think people always undermine that and say, oh, she was a manufactured Pop-Tart and it's like, yeah, she was, but she also did make a lot of creative decisions, so I don't want to take that away from her. But I just think being bought and sold so many times over the course of your life, like from the time you're underage until like today or a year ago when she got out of her conservatorship, like I can't imagine what that does to you mentally. So I completely understand her like reclaiming her image. And I I don't mean like her image in the sense of like celebrity image. I mean her physical image, like a picture of her, like she is reclaiming that. I mean, think about all the times she's been photographed when she didn't want to be, you know, and I feel like she's using Instagram to put out the type of images that she wants to put out. And yeah, sometimes she looks disheveled and stuff because she just doesn't feel the need to be perfect for the world anymore. Like the fact that people get so upset when they see her not looking perfect is just proves my point. Like I just feel like she is tired of being pictured and characterized and branded and bought and sold and so she's like I am in control of my naked body now and my sexuality and my image and I'm going to put it out how I want to put it out and I hate that she edits her picture so heavily like you can see it so clearly like she doesn't even do it subtly she uses those body abs to make herself look thinner and like you know in the background the wall or whatever's behind her will be completely crooked and you can 100% see that she made herself look thinner and that makes me sad just because I wish that she saw what we all see which is like she has a hot body she does not need to make herself look thinner and even if she didn't have a stereotypical hot body and she was heavier or whatever like I wish that she would be comfortable enough with herself to just post herself as she is but this is the world that we live in and I think her editing her photos the way that she wants to is also like her reclaiming her image and that's the way she wants to be seen and so that's the way she's going to be seen and I think that that's really powerful as well so I'm happy for her I do kind of feel like just the constant I just feel like the repetition of her posts kind of worries me like I just feel like she posts like the same images over and over again or like stuff from the same day over and over again I don't know why she posts like Like she's moved into a new house, yet she always seems to post stuff from her old house. Like how many videos and pictures did she bank from her old house? Or like, does she still have that house? Did it sell? I can't remember. Like, does she still spend time there sometimes? Or like, why is she always in her old house? Like it feels like she posts a lot of old stuff. And just the fact that she's always like, like she's always spinning. Like she's always doing the same kind of dance moves over and over again and posting like the same stuff over and over again. I do think that's strange, but I also think that like, who cares? Like whatever she feels the need to post, like it's her Instagram, it's her life. If she wants to post the same spinning video a thousand times, well, that's her right, you know? And I just hope that Instagram makes her feel empowered and Twitter, like the way that she's been communicating with us, I just hope she feels empowered and in control of herself and her life. 
As far as the conspiracy theories that she's not free or that somebody else is using her Instagram or somebody else is posting all of these older things or whatever. Like I saw a TikTok where somebody was pointing out that there was a car seat in the back of her videos and like does she have a secret baby or is it a, or is there a baby doll that she pretends is her baby and things like that. It's like all of that is like whatever. She could have just had somebody over who has a baby and their car seat was there. Like it's not a big deal. Like if she does have a baby doll – it's like, well, she had a miscarriage. A lot of women use baby dolls um, to comfort themselves after having a miscarriage. That's a very normal, that's pretty well known that a lot of women do stuff like that. So like, I don't, I don't think that she's trapped by anybody. Like if she's trapped at all, I think she's just, you know, dealing with her trauma and she has to deal with it however she sees fit. So like whatever Brittany chooses to post, I'm not gonna say that she shouldn't post it do I think some of it is strange of course I do but I think that's okay like of course she's going to be strange look at what she's been through and and I don't even think being strange is necessarily a bad thing like I think she should just be herself which is you know I mean sometimes she is such a mood like sometimes the things that she posts I'm like girl I love it and I just love that there's very little artifice with Britney like I I just feel like she's not worried about being like celebrity Britney anymore and she just wants to come off as more normal. And I think a lot of people are saying, well, these posts aren't normal. And it's like, well, whatever is normal to you is normal. Like, I don't I don't know what normal is. Like, what is normal? So I'm going to leave it at that for today. Thank you guys so much for listening. Let me know your thoughts on all the questions I answered here. I still have a bunch of other questions. So I'm going to answer those like either personally or I'll do a Patreon episode or I'll do another Ask Me Anything at some point. I hope you guys enjoy the Lindsay episode next week. And in the meantime, please catch up on my Lindsay series. We do also have Jessica and Ashley episodes coming, so never fear. And again, I just thank you so much for listening and I will talk to you guys next week. Bye, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to the Ashley and Jessica cast. I'm your host, Leah Russo. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Capriya Moon. That's at C-A-P-R-I-A-M-O-O-N. And follow the podcast at Ashley and Jessica cast on Instagram and at Ashley Jessica cast on Twitter. Please let me know your thoughts on the show. I would absolutely love to hear Ashley and Jessica cast at gmail.com. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. See you next time.